Good morning and welcome to HR Examiner's Big Ideas segment. This morning we're going to be talking with Anat Marcus, who is the head of global HR operations and services at Teva Pharmaceuticals. How are you this morning, Anat? Hello, it's actually the afternoon for us. It's five o'clock, so hello everybody. Oh, where are you? I thought I got the sense that you were in Florida. Where, where are you exactly? I'm located in Israel, where is our headquarters are. Got it. Got it. Okay. Well, it's good to have you on the show. So would you take a moment and introduce introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, what your role is, and how you got to this point in your career. Yes. So first of all, thank you for having me, John. My name is Anat Markus. I am from Israel, and I am the Senior Vice President for Employee Services and HR Operations at Teva Pharmaceuticals. Teva Pharmaceuticals is the largest um, generic drug company in the world. We have around 55,000 employees, and we produce around 120 billion tablets and capsules every year. Uh, We operate uh, in around uh, 60 countries, and I've been in Teva for the last five years. Uh, In this role of uh, employee services and nature operations, I've been for one year. And prior to my current role, I was the vice president for HR and corporate technologies. So really, my background is from IT, and I have developed in the space of HR and technology in the last 20 years. And uh, in the last, in the in the first four years uh, since uh, I joined Teva, um, I was busy with my teams putting together a technology roadmap and leading various implementations. And now in this new role. I'm getting an opportunity to fully leverage the investments that we made in the last years, and I'm very excited about it. So what's the most important thing you're wrestling with today? So I think we are, you know, it's, it's very, it, it, the times are dynamic, they are going on, uh, on all levels, at the business level and at the organization. And one of the most important things um, would be how to close the gap between an employee experience and the consumer experience. So we are all consumers, and we got used to consume our services, data, and products in a certain way, which is very dynamic and very mobile. But as employees, uh, we have a different experience in the workplace. And what we are... Uh, trying to see is how we close the gap between our experience as a consumer and our experience as employees. And I think that um, the gap that we we still have in, in Teva, and, and I know a lot of other organizations have the same gap, but I think it's going to become unacceptable by some of the younger generation mu- much faster than we think. So we are focusing on improving our employee experience um, uh, trying to look at our employees as, as consumers and understanding what is their experience as consumers is, and also becoming more efficient and effective as an organization. So, so is employee experience in your mind uh, pretty much a technical interaction? Um, is is that what you're saying? No, not at all. But it's. Um, It's a a digital world that we are living in, and every service um, and every product that we buy today in some way, shape, or form has digital in it. And um, it's about, um, so so I think digital is driving a lot of it, but, but it's not the only factor in the experience. 
Um, we are taking um, consumer-centric uh, concepts and methodologies, and we are bringing them into the organization, replacing the word customer with employee. And uh, by understanding our customers and designing the experience and empowering the frontline, we are following the, the methodologies that organization implement for customers, and we are improving this experience to our employees. Well, that's that's really interesting. So you're uh, help help me. You're, you're you're beefing up your understanding of employee behavior and demographics so that you could more effectively target messages and tailor service delivery. Is that the the gist of it? Exactly. We are segmenting the population. We are understanding what are the personas that our employees represent. Uh, we are trying to tailor the services and the language and the products according to those personas. So we are really trying to be our um, marketing and uh, sales, but internally. So, so what are you using for guidance? Is there is there somebody that's a role model or some organization that's a role model? Or are you really as far ahead of the curve as it sounds like you are? I don't think we are. Um, what we're doing is understanding the need and starting to adapt. What, what I did personally is take a couple of my employees and I sent them to a class, to a, to a seminar, um, two, two months. It was, it, it, of course, a weekly meeting, but over two months period uh, that was totally uh, uh, for the... Um, speaking about customer-centric organizations and what they need to do, and they brought customer experiences from many different uh, organizations around the world. And what I wanted them is to come back with a language that we can adapt and take inside. So what we are actually doing is just copying and pasting the concepts that organizations are doing to, the, to their customers to our employees, and we are, this is a journey we are starting, and we are wrestling, you were asking what I'm wrestling with today, so I'm wrestling with the adaptation and the interpretation of turning a, a, an organization to a, an employee-centric organization uh, that is really giving the employee an experience, uh, well-rounded, very specific, very personalized, um, and we are trying to um, take this concept and implement it in everything that we do, designing our processes, our performance processes, our internal dialogues with the employees, um, our uh, candidate experience. So we are trying to take the same methodology and implement it on processes that we do internally to our employee base. That's that's fascinating. So so you must be learning a lot as you go through this uh, process. What's it teaching you? So what it's teaching us is that experience has many dimensions. Um, it's not just about technology. It's about ways of working. It's about change management. It's about agility. It's about culture. It's really huge, and it's a mindset shift that we all need to make. And this is a long journey. It's not something that is, you know, going to happen overnight. But as 
as soon as we have a language and we start to use it, I think we take the, the right first steps. Um, I think it's important to, to find out that the pace of change in the consumer world is very, very big. And we need to adapt to, to, to managing organizations in this space. It's very different. It's very difficult. And if you are a large organization that is global, it is, it is very hard to do it. And um, it's teaching us that we have to do it and we have to find smart and innovative way to do it well. This is fascinating. The, the idea that an organization should be employee centric, that's given the history of organizations, that's a pretty radical notion. There must be some um, uh, minds in need of changing as you go through the process of introducing this idea. Yes. So I think every HR professional and every leadership and every manager wants to be employee-centric. Everybody wants to understand the, the importance of our employee, what we need to do to develop them, why, why, we, why we want to invest in them. But to take this whole concept and become an employee-centric organization is, is more than just understanding those bits and, bits and pieces. It's putting a methodology around it um, it's about measuring it. Um, it's about um, making sure that we have uh, uh, ways to continuously measure and improve it and, and be in very close contact with our uh, customers, so-called, or employees, um, so we can learn about their changing uh, needs and adapt. So you're doing, you're doing a talk at HR Tech World in Amsterdam this fall about HR and strategic impact. Help me connect the dots uh, between um, the work that you're doing with making the company employee-centric and the strategic impact of HR. How do those two things go together? So... I think they, it's exactly, I mean, being strategic HR is, um, I think, to me, is, is also synonymous to being employee-centric organization. Um, we know the war for talent is huge. We know that we must make the most out of our employees. We know that employees' expectations from the workplace is changing. We know employees' expectations from the work. Uh, um, from the work um, uh, environment is changing. Um, and, and there are so many dimensions of change that in order to, uh, to really understand what we need to do differently, um, we have to be uh, capable, we have to have the right capabilities, the right capacities, um, and uh, we need to be ready to focus on these spaces. Um, Teva, over the years, uh, we grew from a relatively small organization of 7,000 employees to, to the site we are today uh, due to various acquisitions. And, and it was uh, necessary um, to, to, st to, to start managing our business operations in a more integrated way. And it, is, uh, it, it, is, it was important that we manage and leverage our talent. Um, and we wanted to increase our value to the business and make sure we are not focused on operations and administrations, but on talking about things 
that exactly what I've been talking about in the last 10 minutes and making sure that all the other stuff is being covered by process automation and technology. And that's just taking away the, the, the let's say, the more, the less adding value uh, topics and, and letting us uh, speak to our managers about what's really important. So is this the transformation that you're going to be talking about at um, HR Tech World? This is the transformation I, I will start uh, to um, to share with, with the audience. Um, it, for us to be able to, to talk to this means that we need to spend we need to we need to spend the last few years on really solidifying our foundation. And we have, and I will share what we've done in the last years, how we redesigned our processes and how we implemented technology and um, and how we uh, uh, really put together an ecosystem that is strong enough and, and designed well enough to make us ready to move into this phase and the new exploration that we're doing around what it means to become an employee-centric organization. So that we are, on one hand, we are very much uh, into uh, completing the foundation piece that took us the last three uh, or four years, and well into the next evolution and the next transformation um, where we are really, we can leverage all this investment and bring the true value to the organization. So it's, it, you need to do the first step in order to, to get to the second step, which is we are right in the middle between those two uh, worlds. So tell me, tell me something about the fundamentals that you're putting together. I assume that means some level of data work and some level of process and procedure work. What, what were the things that you spent time on? So... First of all, yes, we did um, a lot of work around data and defining um, a common way to, to speak about our employees. Uh, since we came from a very local way of working, um, moving to a global way of working was huge for us, um, and we needed to define a common way to talk about our employees, whether it's their global career architecture whether it's about their levels, whether it's about um, uh, termination reasons and promotion reasons and, and talent and succession planning and development plans. So we had to put all this in place so we can talk about the employees in the same way and that we also have transparency to the entire workforce, no matter where you are, whether you are a corporate function, whether you are a leader in a country. You can see everybody, of course, according to what you need to see. But there is visibility, there is transparency, there is a language. So this is part of the foundation. We put a lot of effort into analytics. So after we put everything in place, I call it, a, a, we now turn on the light. So now there is light in the room. We can see what's going on. Let's start making some decisions based on what we see. So we moved into the analytics and we invested in analytics uh, around all the areas of compensation, operational excellence, service excellence. So we are now understanding much better what we do and what we have. 
We put the foundation of the organizational structure in place. So we moved into a shared service operating model. of implementing a robust employee service portal, which is taking all the service organizations in the company, including IT, including facility management, and including, of course, employee services, putting it all in one place, under one language, under one experience. So these are the pieces that we worked on. And in the next couple of years, we will make sure we leverage all these efforts and investments to really bring it to life. That, that sounds like quite a job. I, I, I'm sort of awestruck by the the amount of work and detail involved in ex- executing the things that you're talking about. What sort of challenges did you run into? This couldn't have been easy. And how did you get buy-in from the management team? It sounds like you've ended up with supportive management. Uh, Did you always have that? So every transformation is is difficult. Uh, Any change is something, even if it's a change for the better, not everybody likes change. We know that well from many parts of our life. And it actually had to start with with really a real business need. So moving global was a real business need. The managers started managing global functions, and they needed visibility. They needed visibility to employees. They needed the ability to be able to speak to uh, their HR business partners or to get services regardless of where their employees are and regardless of where they are. So it starts with a real business need. And today, even if you're a small company, I think everybody is global. We we are past you know the boundaries and and the local uh, uh, ways of operating. Um, so we gave them visibility and uh, we gave them transparency, uh, and that was the business need that we met. We also committed to simplify our processes. So you know the simpler it is, the hardest it is to design. But we made a commitment to simplify it and make HR simpler. Um, We made a a commitment, an investment in better supporting technologies uh, for the service portal, for the processes, for the talent management. We invested um, in upskilling our uh, HR community um, and and defined the new capabilities and capacities that they will need uh, to move away from maybe the, the work they used to do as generalists in the country to a more professional role as, a, as an HR manager. So the investments that we made were on, on many dimensions, and, and they all helped us to get the buy-in that, that we needed from, from our leadership and of, from our employees as well. What an extraordinary project. So so tell me a little bit more about where you are now in the process. So it's about four years into the transformation. And, and, and as I said before, we, we streamlined and harmonized um, most of our core HR processes. Uh, our our uh, managers now have transparency to their global workforce. They manage their successors in one place. They can 
manage their development plans um, in one place, their talent, their high potentials. Um, so we are actually uh, in a place where managers have the data and the ability to drive uh, processes um, through their uh, technology. So, so that's uh, something that's really working well. Um, we are, in, in, in parallel to that, we're busy with, as I said, upskilling our uh, HR community. Um, some people left, some people grew, some people developed, um, and we uh, we are still in the journey where we are redefining what it is that really brings the value. So it's nice to see how this mindset shift of the HR professional is actually coming into into play because we are actually showing them the opportunities of um, creating a culture and supporting their managers instead of doing their work for them. And that's that's already way underway. Uh, but we continuously look for opportunities and capabilities that are going to increase the value. We ask the question all the time. I don't think that you reach, you know, there is no end result for me. At one end is, is another beginning. So this is a continuous process. The business environment is changing all the time. As I said, the expectations of the employees are changing all the time. Change is just really, really in high pace. So there is no end. We need to continuously look of what is the right thing to focus on next. So you, you use the term business enabler. I, I, I believe in the, the uh, uh, abstract of your talk. You say the net result of your work is that HR becomes a true business enabler. What does that mean? I think our job is to help managers make sure they have the right talent in the right time and in the right place. If managers have the talent that they need, they can meet their business objectives. And this is what we need to focus on. We need to make sure all the way from the beginning, from the talent acquisition phase, that we have the best pipeline, that we bring the best talent, that we do it fast, that we do it well. We then need to make sure that we develop these employees as they stay in their roles or uh, move and, and get promoted to do other things. We have to make sure we support them with learning opportunities. We have to make sure we support them with their career aspirations. And and even if if they uh, terminate and leave us, we have to know to to uh, leverage the community uh, of them as uh, uh, pensioners or as alumni. So I think being a business enabler is putting the right people in the right place and supporting their managers and making sure they meet their business objectives. That should be our focus, and this is what we want to make sure that we do. I, I can't begin to tell you how wonderful it is to, to hear about the work that you've been doing. It's a pretty exciting journey that's taken dedication and persistence, and I really appreciate you taking the time to tell us about it. Is there anything I should have asked you? Um, I think that the, 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 the one thing we need to keep asking is how do you prepare yourself for a world that is so dynamic? 
Um, and what should we be doing differently? What should change management look like in, in a world that is so fast? Um, what is the HR role? What is the supporting functions role? What is the IT role? So this, uh, the pace of the change and the dynamic environment that we're working in means that we need to do something differently. So I don't think we have all the answers, but we definitely have a lot of questions and um, we intend to keep and looking into them uh, in the next um, years. Fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the radio show. And not, um, it's, it's been a real pleasure. It's been a great conversation. Would you take a moment and reintroduce yourself and tell people how they might get a hold of you if they want to hear more of your story? So my name is Anat, A-N-A-T, Marcus, M-A-R-K-U-S. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I work for Teva Pharmaceuticals as the head of employee services and HR operations. You're welcome to contact me through LinkedIn. Let me know that you heard the radio show because I don't accept every invite. Otherwise, the network becomes too big. But I'll be happy if you reach out. Any questions, any conversations with me or anybody else on my team, we are very happy to share and also learn from your experiences. And thank you so much for inviting me, John. It was great. You're welcome. We've been talking with Anad Marcus, who is the head of global HR operations at Teva Pharmaceuticals and is going to be delivering a talk at HR Tech World in Amsterdam this fall. Thanks again, Anad, for doing the show, and thanks, everybody, for listening in. We will see you next week at the same time. Bye-bye now. 